0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Army National Guard has been at historically high deployment levels since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, with cases waning, the Guard might get a reprieve, but that doesn't mean its challenges are over. We get the latest from Federal News Network's Scott Mosseone. And Scott, let's start with the kinds of missions they have been stuck with and why these high deployment levels for the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, well, the Army National Guard and the Air National Guard together have both had really a rough past two years. Uh, They've seen, obviously, the COVID deployments. We've seen uh, an increase in extreme weather, hurricanes, floods, wildfires. We're seeing now that their uh, missions are expanding within COVID in Arizona. We have National Guardsmen uh, teaching in some schools. Uh, There's the uh, January 6th protection of the Capitol, taking care of civil unrest. I mean, really, you name it, the National Guard has been doing it. Now, at their peak, uh, there was really about World War II levels. It was one hundred and one thousand eight hundred and forty one soldiers uh, that we had uh, out there. And then about one hundred and twenty thousand total. If you put in the whole National Guard, currently the component has about forty one thousand six hundred, which uh, is you know much lower. But they'd like to see that a, a little bit lower. What the really the continuation of this is, is the covid uh r- response. And this COVID response right now has the National Guard really about 15,000 soldiers out there all at one time for these long-term deployments. And that's something that really starts to wane on these soldiers and on the National Guard's uh, resources and abilities as well.
1: Yeah. And when protecting the Capitol, they had to sleep in the garage. And then when teaching in schools, they have to eat school lunches. So that's pretty hard duty. And if the COVID, as we hope, would wane away out of this and that would be withdrawn from them. What would that do? How would that help the Guard?
0: Yeah, so we heard from the Army National Guard director, uh, his name's John Jensen. And, uh, you know, he said what was really the most concerning about this COVID-19 mission is just the length of it. You know, it doesn't take uh, it's not something quick like a, a hurricane where you can kind of go in, do your thing, and then you come back out. And then not only that, but it continues to lengthen the regular sort of traditional missions that they would do. So if you go in to take care of a hurricane, well, you also have to think about PPE and people being vaccinated and how you're going to stay safe doing it. So it it continues to elongate these missions that they're, they're doing. And that becomes an issue in terms of operational tempo, bringing people out much longer than they were expected to keeping them away from their their regular jobs because these are people who volunteer their time Uh, well volunteer is not exactly the best word they are paid for it but uh, they do it for a service to the country and uh, have regular jobs outside of this so um, what he's hoping is that once covid goes down they will have a more traditional role of just taking care of responding to emergent emergencies and uh, not just ones where they're continuing to lag and, and, and go longer and stretch out these sorts of missions.
1: And by the way, that word tempo we hear, and that also applies to the regular active duty armed forces, tempo means how long they're at a task, isn't it? As much as how difficult or how fast paced the task might be.
0: That's exactly right. It's a rotation that they go through. So your rotation might be six months at a time or something like that. And longer tempos, well, you know, that's, that's more stress on a human being and more time away from their family and job.
1: Right. So they're uh, vivace now. We have to get them back down to Andante maybe and slow down the tempo a little <laughs> bit in some of those rotations. And you're also reporting about the transformation going on in the guard and what is changing.
0: Yeah, well, there's two things going on. One is within the guard, they're having a, really a great retention Era Right now, where they're bringing in a lot of people not seeing a lot of attrition. Uh, So they're not having too many problems with in strength. However, when it comes to mid career people, that's where they're really losing them. And that may be just a sign of the times because at that 20 year mark, when people hit the lieutenant colonel stage, they're in the major stage. uh, That's when also people are having kids and their kids are really going into extracurricular activities or are more involved in school, they need people just to be around more and to be parents. Or it's also a time when jobs are becoming uh, more management level and are expecting more from their National Guardsmen. So that's one area where they're seeing some changes in the the traditional way. Another is completely different, which is that the army itself is changing into a multi-domain sphere, and the National Guard sees that it needs to move that way, too. So they're moving away from what they call a brigade-centric push and, and something where they just sort of... Uh, think more like they did in the Middle, middle East uh, kind of era. And they're trying to push things to a more multi-domain centric. So that means building a new force that emphasizes things like electronic warfare, cyber, and even artillery uh, in an era that uh, we're thinking about near peer competition, especially as Russia is now invading uh, Ukraine.
1: And a few days ago, you and I talked about the idea of the Air Force eliminating the title of multi-domain officer in the idea that everybody is a multi-domain operator sounds like the guard needs to match that strategy that we're seeing emerge across the armed services
0: that's exactly right and and that's something that the army's already doing in its modernization plans by trying to bring in long-range precision fires uh, you know different sorts of vertical lift and everything along those lines They're working within those multi-domain areas of sea, land, air, space, and cyber. Uh, The Guard is working its way into doing that as well. It's always a little bit behind the active component, but uh, it's definitely thinking that way and changing its doctrine to get into that mindset.
1: And the DoD's also got a new strategy for space while we're on the idea of new strategies. Briefly, what does that do?
0: Yeah, this is something that actually is very interesting considering what's going on with Russia. It's a pairing of actually six countries, one of the closest some of the closest allies to the United States, including United Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, New Zealand, a lot of the Five Eyes sort of uh, nations. And what this does is sets uh, some rules on how they're going to keep space safe for these countries and continue to make it open and a transparent area. Uh, they've seen a lot of threats. Uh, China with a satellite that has a robotic arm. Uh, Russia is seeing uh, lots of different Uh, space debris going around and and having to hide some of their cosmonauts and and the US, their astronauts to really sit in place and hunker down when these uh, space objects are getting really close to their spacecraft. So uh, they're just trying to think of ways to make the space uh, domain safer for uh, these countries in the future. And they're deciding, they're really laying out uh, some objectives in order to do that.
1: So future rockets will have cow catchers on them to ward off all those things. Federal News Network's Scott Mocione, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out all of his coverage of these issues at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on
3: She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing gay Black women. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of us. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm a co-founder of Eureka, so I'm fortunate enough to be in the first 30 or so Black women that have
2: As a company grows, WEPA is growing as well. And you are so spot on. We have, as as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy.
3: This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second,